Thank you for downloading the podcast of the local paper review with a Romford recorder and Time 107.5. Good afternoon, I'm Stephen Allen. It's a Friday, which can mean many things, but specifically only one that we're paying attention to, the fact that today is the day when we have a look at the local papers. Our local paper review, I'm joined by Chris Carter and Laura Burnett from the uh, Romford recorder and Ilford recorder. Is that still the deal? Yes. Still one each? Chris is both. Chris is both. I'm just the Ilford recorder. Okay. I was in Ilford this morning. Lucky you. How was it? It was all right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went to a coffee shop and met a friend. Good times. Mm. Not the best story I've ever told, but um, probably won't be reported yeah. in that, your newspaper. Mm, page 45. <laughs> <laughs> if I can spot any news. Oh, although the train uh, platforms have changed. Really? They've had to close off platform three, is it, that's normally into uh, London Liverpool Street? It was yeah. platform one today. Oh, we could definitely do something on that. We've been doing, <laughs> doing a bit on the trains recently. Yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. Okay. Um, so what news stories are we going to go through today on our local paper review? Well, our first story, Steve, is our front page on the Ilford Recorder, which is a story about um, the uh, highest speed recorded in London. Yeah. Uh, there was a, an FOI done, and uh, that speed um, was actually in Redbridge. On the um, on the Eastern Avenue. So, and to put it in context, isn't the average speed of cars in London something like eight miles an hour? Yeah. Which I think is a, a handy canvas on which to paint this figure. Yeah. Um, so, what was the what was the top speed that someone was clocked at? Uh, I'll, I'll let Laura tell you that because it's it's dramatic. It Drum was. Roll. It was 137 miles an hour. Wow! I'm getting the calculator on this computer. I want to work out how many times the average that is. How do you get a calculator on there? Does anyone know how to use a computer? <laughs> <laughs> so what was the situation? Why was he, he I'm assuming it's a he, why was he or she caught doing that speed? What happened? Well, the, de- the details that we have um, are from the Met Police and we had the top five highest recorded speeds in the whole capital and three of them were on this stretch of the A12 and, um, you know, it's clearly that is... Very, very high. Mm. I'd say it's approximately seventeen point one two five times the average. <laughs> it's incredible. Cal- found a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're not known for our math, um, journalists. But um, our reporter, uh, he went out to sort of speak to the residents who live, because obviously there's houses, you know, just mm. down the side of this road, which makes it almost even more incredible that it's not it's not a motorway. It's actually surrounded by somewhere that people live. And he spoke to the residents, and they said that. It's um, there's a problem with bikers playing a game to try and beat the camera um, to try try and go so fast that it actually can't catch them. This this speed is recorded by someone who obviously was caught. Um, but oh yeah, so there's there's a thought that actually people could be going even faster than that and and winning this this incredibly dangerous game that they're playing. Uh, How fast do you have to be going for a, one of those gats? Is it a gatto down there? The speed cameras, the old double flash. Yeah, I think yeah, so. It's one yeah, of those types yeah. There's them. a few down there actually, but I think uh, uh, it, there's, there's a couple of stretches where there are no cameras. But mm. but this is the one. I think it's between it's between Gants Hill and the Moby Dick. I think it is. And apparently yeah. they what they do is when they get to Gants Hill, they've got a, a natural sort of they can go around the roundabout and come back again, sort of thing. So it's right. So sort of like I, I guess that's the chicane. I don't know, but. But, I mean, so yeah, you're right. They've got a racing circuit that's been yeah, devised yeah. for them accidentally. Yeah. And I don't think this is. A, you know, I, I I thought it was probably at night. You know, in the middle of you know the early hours in the morning. But I think this was in the afternoon. This, this one. And so- yeah, the residents said it was all times of day. Um, we've got what quote from one of them said it's like Silverstone. Uh, 
people doing wheelies on the dual carriageway. I mean, it, it it really does sound kind of just so incredibly dangerous that you can't believe that people are actually doing it. But um, it seems to be young, also young young riders as well. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> to be honest, if they're going that fast, I'm not sure if you can tell who's riding. To be honest, that's so, true. So, but it does seem to be that. And it, it sort of it, it brought me back to um, a presentation I went to a few years ago. There's something called Safe Drive, Stay Alive, which were you forced to go on it because you were caught speeding? <laughs> no, okay, no, it checking. wasn't. That was something else, Steve. That was another one. Um, no, this was uh, this was professionally. I was invited as the editor to come along to. I think it was the inaugural one. A few years ago and basically they invite uh, sick formers from all of the schools in Redbridge mm. to come along and they do a presentation about speeding and the, the ramifications of speeding and they have people from the emergency services so they have a paramedic they have a fireman they have a policeman and they basically tell graphic stories about what it's like to be a fireman and to turn up at an accident involving a young kid yeah. and pull them out of the, of the car the paramedics obviously and then the policeman would sort of say you know and and I have to go and knock on the door to the family and tell them that their 18-year-old child has died mm. in the car crash. And it's really dramatic. And you can, and quite a few of the kids are like crying and yeah. really upset about it. And some actually go out. So it's very powerful. And this kind of you know, brought me back to that because you kind of hope when you see things like this, at least that it's going to sort of sink into some of them. And yeah. a lot of them do come out really affected by it. Unfortunately, I guess it's the mindless minority who who think that you know you know it's like when you're a teenager you think you're immortal don't you and i think these these guys i'd imagine are those that type of people but here's a question uh seeing as we live in a world where there could well be a levy on a drink that has more than five grams of sugar in it per 100 milliliters why is a machine allowed to be built that can do 137 miles an hour that's a good question um, I can't answer it, but I know there was a, there was the guy from the bike shop, which is quite nearby in Eastern Avenue, I think, who'd said that um, uh, these bikes are capable of, the sp- of more speed than people would imagine. Yeah. I think he said commuter bikes can do up to 120 mile an hour, which does seem ridiculous, doesn't yeah. it? When you put the word commuter and 120 mile an hour, <laughs> hang on a minute. How late are you running? Well, especially yeah. when you're talking about you know London's average speed limit of eight mile an hour and obviously but I guess on a bike it's, it's better I mean I can understand that you know the, the horsepower for the quick acceleration which eventually could be a, like a different topic you talk about that they're too yeah. powerful for that but if something's really beefy and can really speed but then hit a speed then it just gets stopped you know we could bring that in as a law couldn't we that they have limiters on so you can have all the horsepower you want but I've got no idea why anything needs to go quicker than 90 miles an hour no I guess it's a civil liberties thing and the likes of Jeremy Clarkson would be up in arms if you did bring in limiters to cars or bikes. But what would the argument... All right, pretend you're, you're Clarkson, right? But obviously without the money. <laughs> Wouldn't okay, that be great? Where's the producer? <laughs> <laughs> if we had one in this station, they'd all have walked out after what I'd um, so we So I say to you, 90 miles an hour, why do you need to do 91 ever? Ban it. Boom. Um, it's an adrenaline rush thing, isn't it? Yeah. And and the people um, who have these bikes, you know, they love them. They put all their money into them, kind of doing that, them up. And, and it's, you know, it's a hobby as well as kind of a mode of transport. I think for a lot of people, it's a real passion. I mean, maybe... It's a real passion that kills people. Well, that's okay. the thing is it shouldn't... Yeah. It, it's the sort of thing that if you want to go fast, that's fine. But I guess it's... Not, not yeah. in a road where there's... Where no. there's 
Other Unless you were only and... using it on private land to yeah. do 137, and if so, get your own, you know, some sort of special permit. Actually, that road should not be, uh, that bike should not be roadworthy then. Should mm. not be able to MOT it. If it I mean, I'm not sure how it's going to happen with motorbikes, but with cars now, there's a lot more electric cars. And one of the big things about electric cars, why they've not sort of caught on, mm. is that they're so slow, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah. and they're waiting for the electric car that can do 100. 37 mile an hour basically before electric cars become really popular basically Steve so so actually my <laughs> idea will never work I'll add that to my big pile of ideas I've had that will never work which includes taking handles off of push doors um, because I just think it, they're setting you up for a fall you know you can see a door the handle on it it's being pushed <laughs> literally yeah. Yeah, well, maybe time. maybe the problem here maybe it isn't the bikers maybe it's the cameras maybe we need to invent some speed cameras that don't have an upper limit I, d- I don't know but there, surely there must be cameras that can't be beaten so therefore there wouldn't be any point in trying and anyone who did would get caught hmm. I think they'd come up with something else some other reason to, to speed well they just do this on a stretch where they know there's none of those cameras yeah. I mean sometimes on the M25 you see you know BMWs and that roaring at least two or three roaring and clearly racing around the M25 so it's you know it's just something people do and it'll always be Jeremy Clarkson's of this world they will always be Jeremy (laughs) Clarkson's of this world there's a phrase to leave that topic on lovely stuff I I bet you that's another one of those where we'll we'll come back and talk about it another day it's bound to be someone else doing some silly speeding somewhere definitely I hope Uh, it's not me a little tease on the way to story two Uh, story two is um, about smoking. It's the local paper review going through the papers with uh, Chris Carter from the Romford Recorder and Laura Burnett from the Ilford Recorder. And what is story number two? So up next is today's Romford Recorder front page and it's bad news for anyone who wants to give up smoking. The Havering Council has decided to decommission its stop stop smoking service and... um, I apologise, this is going to be a little bit complicated because anyone who's ever tried to report on the, uh, the health system will realise that it is, there's a lot of different bodies. But basically, um, doctors who work for the Trust, which runs Queen's Hospital, had a board meeting this week and they've hit out of the decision. Haven Council said it's had to stop commissioning the service because it can't fund it anymore. Um, the service was actually run by another organisation called, uh, <laughs> called NALF. That's not all that relevant. But um, it basically comes down to... Uh, yet again, the council's having to make cuts to a service that's supposed to be preventative, supposed to prevent costs uh, you mm. know, occurring in the future, to treat conditions that are caused by smoking that, as we know, um, put a lot of pressure on the public purse. So, um, so that's the story. You know, every so often, there's, there's often a phone-in on various outlets where someone will be saying, what they should do is charge people who end up in A&E if they're there because they're drunk, because it's their fault. If they've made a lifestyle choice that has sent them to hospital, they should have to pay. I don't know why I have to do whatever. Okay, cheers, next caller. Um, <laughs> if we apply the same rule to this, these people chose to start smoking. Find me a person who didn't make the decision to start smoking in the first place. Unless you're like a beagle that's been tested on. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess the argument is is that they chose to start smoking, but yeah. it, they, you know, smoking is addictive. So, so they should. It's very pay very for difficult it. to give up. But those people who want to give up, why don't they pay to fund that service that the NHS, that me as a taxpayer, and if David Cameron, if you're listening, tax is a thing that you should pay. It's all complicated. It's to do with trying to get your money in short. It's difficult. Um, what you should do is not charge people like me. To help them stop smoking, they should pay to stop smoking. Ah, but then what if what if uh, you know you fall down the stairs because you're looking at your phone or something and you break your leg? 
you could say the same argument for that because it's your fault that you break your legs. At so. least uh, in some part, you can definitely use the word accident in falling downstairs. <laughs> oh, I accidentally smoked. 40 times a day. 40 times a day I had an accident, I tripped over and ended up with a cigarette in my mouth. There is no way that's an accident, is there? Mm. Have you ever smoked, Steve? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I, I would suggest, uh, maybe this is from a personal point of view, but most people start smoking quite young. Mm-hmm. And it's like a peer thing, peer pressure thing. And it's something you just do. It's a bit like drinking as well. I mean, you know, a lot of people start drinking when they're young. And it is very, very difficult once you start smoking to give up. Yeah. And, you know, cigarettes are addictive. It's, you know, nicotine's addictive. So um, I wouldn't necessarily agree with you. Um, I think it is a, it's a point of view. Let me, let me rephrase it. We are, we are where we are, though, yeah. aren't we, really, to a certain extent. And I, yeah. think, and I think I think it's really, for me, all of these preventative services are really important because there's a huge drain on the NHS, as you've suggested, yeah. on people who smoke. Let me f- rephrase it in an even more biased way to make it even harder for you to answer. Imagine you're the doctor in charge of deciding where the money goes. Ah, hello, Dr. Carter. How's it going? Um, in we have here two rooms, two hospital <laughs> rooms. In here we have someone who's in desperate need of this drug that can help cure their rampant disease. And without it, I'm afraid they're, they're not going to make it through the night. In this room, we have a smoker who's finding it hard to give up. Where should you spend the money? I think... That's my doctor voice. <laughs> I am not, not, not an expert on this, but I think that already happens. I do think that okay. people, uh, doctors do look at lifestyle and they do and they do say to people... You know, if you want this heart operation, I think, I mean, obviously, if the trust or experts are listening at the moment and they want to correct me, that's absolutely fine. But as I understand it, they do, for example, say if you want the heart operation, you need to give up smoking. Mm. You need to, you know, improve your lifestyle and then we will give you that operation. I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of treatment, in terms of where the money goes, though. You know, because we we often, I'm sure you've probably reported about it, about certain uh, NHS trusts won't won't spend money on certain cancer drugs because they're so expensive Mm. and they don't have the money. And that's a decision that NICE get to make. But then it's the same money that, that it, well, some of that money will be spent helping people quit smoking. Yeah, but then the, the situation is if you're saying, OK, we're not going to help people give up and we're not going to treat them. Well, I know it's a suggestion, but we might consider, um, you know, not putting as much money into treating them when they become ill because they've been smoking. It, it just it would like it, it's a suggestion that a lot of people say that actually if you put a little bit of money into what's basically a support service it's going to save so much money down the line and if you look at this service there's some stats here 2014 to 2015 of Havering's 35,000 smokers 1,763 set a quit date with the stop smoking service and of those and I think this is fantastic because it is an incredibly difficult and admirable thing to do to uh, give up smoking. 1,223 had quit after four weeks. So now, what was the first number on that? 1,763 and four weeks later, 1,223. So that's, I think that's a pretty good ratio. And if I bet if you put Still that aside... the calculator open if you want to do it. <laughs> But I bet if you put that aside, those 1,700 people who tried to give up without any kind of stop smoking service the number who actually succeeded would be so much lower because it is just, unlike Chris said, I think a lot of people, when they start, don't realise how addictive it is, don't realise how difficult it's going to be to give up and don't realise that the longer you go on without giving up, the harder it is. So that's that's kind of the debate really, isn't it? Over 70%, by the way. 
I think she's. I think Laura's right there. I think what she's saying is, is that you know, if you bring the present preventative, if you if you hold the preventative, preventative, easy for me to say measures, <laughs> <laughs> then then you, then you don't have you shouldn't the saving in the have long that way. much that yeah. dilemma again as much that you were talking about as in treatment of yeah. people with, who who have smoking related diseases because hopefully, you know. I don't know about you, but I would love to see a day when nobody smokes tobacco, really, because, you know, as you're suggesting, it is a pretty, you know, it's a stupid thing to do. And I'm sure a lot of people agree, who smoke agree, it's a stupid thing to do, but they feel they can't give up. And and also, people do use them as a crutch. They feel that, it, it, you know, it, it relieves their tension. I, I don't believe mm. that's, the, that's the case. And I think medically that's been proven it's not the case. But if people believe that... You know, and sometimes people also feel I've got very few pleasures. My life's pretty awful, and all I've got is my fags and and a beer every now and then. You know, why not? But why is it why is it still legal? Uh, why aren't we banning this? Is it something to do with taxes? Could it be <laughs> taxes? I'm very confused about what is that. Something that you pay on your father's account if it's offshore? <laughs> yeah. All very confused about this. Oh, excellent! He's not to get that in somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I what was I going to say? I feel like it was quite um, quite important. <laughs> it's Friday afternoon. Oh, I do um, think that there's a error. As I understand it, there's the government and usually the uh, political uh, political uh, parties do have lots of links with the tobacco industry, as far as I understand it. So that yeah. could have some sort of bearing. Uh, what I was going to say was a little bit less cynical than that. I suppose if you ban cigarettes from from sale, regulated sale, yeah. people would still buy them. This is a massive problem now that people buy the counterfeit ones and they're full of like even more dangerous chemicals if that's possible. Um, and, the, and obviously the country doesn't get any tax from them. They're still being sold, being sold to people under the age of 18, which obviously is against the law now. So I suppose it's one of those things that you kind of, you know, the devil, the devil you know, at least yeah. if it's being regulated, then there's some level of kind of, safety controls with it but that's this is at the end of a week where we nearly brought in rules on legal highs which seem less dangerous than the mm. things that we know happen from smoking a lot of the things about the legal highs are oh you don't know what's in it um which at least it was legal now we're trying to make them illegal it's changing the law so that anything that changes your your mind anything that changes the functioning of your mind or your mood will be considered to be uh, illegal so you can get rid of the thing where they just change the chemical. And then the law, instead of, it used to be a list of things that are banned. And now they're changing it so the concept of changing your mind is by a drug is banned and there's a list of exceptions and exemptions, which have included caffeine, which I'm sat here holding one, so a little bit judgmental over here. Mm. But tobacco is now going to be, have, has to be added to that list. Mm. Could have been banned by this rule that we're bringing in and is going to be in an, ex, an exclusion from a law that's being brought in. Mm. So in your Orwellian world, then... Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not the one bringing in that rule. In, in this world of yours, you, there'll be yeah. no caffeine, no alcohol, no tobacco, no... Be, there'll be caffeine, but not the rest of oh, it. Oh, the caffeine. Caffeine's okay, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's weird, that. Yeah, caffeine's yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah. And yet, um, yeah, tobacco and alcohol, not so much. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see if you get some um, some of your listeners agreeing with that. It'd be interesting to hear. From from the heavy smokers and the drunks. <laughs> uh, text to 85222, start with the word time, and then the rest of message yeah i'll read through some of those um so what's story number three on the way story number three uh try and lighten it up a little bit and it's uh, what's in the name 
the local paper review as we look through some of the stories in the papers with Chris Carter and Laura Burnett from uh, the Romford Recorder and Ilford Recorder. Before we get into story number three, there is a text that has been sent through. Uh, it says, smokers pay five times more than they cost in treatment via the taxes on cigarettes, says Snowy in Hornchurch. Probably true. So, therefore, let them do it. Yeah. So if we could put a tax on murder... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Long as you, long as you contribute idea. to the exchequer, then surely it's fine. That sounds like an idea for some kind of dystopian novel. Definitely, mm. murder tax. All of my thoughts seem to be dystopian <laughs> novels ideas today. I've not had enough coffee. That's clearly what it is. Um, so, story number three. What are we dealing with? My story number three, Steve, is the Buckingham Dagenham Post front page lead, and it's about. Uh, the council wanting to re- or renaming the Gascoigne Estate in Barking, and it's uh, not very popular. It's not a very popular idea. Okay, so why do we know why it was renamed? It's been uh, regenerated. It's been a huge um, revamp of the estate, and I guess they feel that um, you know, sort of a new estate, new new name, fresh start, fresh start, and they've come up with um, uh, the rebranding. It's going to be rebranded as Weaver's Quarter. Are you not are you not loving that name, Weaver's Quarter? I don't know. I mean, it, it's from the uh, from the area's history when they used to have a, a jute factory, I think it was. So, um, so that's where it's coming from. It doesn't sound that catchy to me. I don't know, but Weaver's Quarter. But no. yeah, I know, I know, what you, I know what you mean. But it's this it's this big thing, isn't it, about renaming of estates and renaming of general things, isn't it? And a lot of people are saying that whatever you could call it, Weaver's Quarter, where we'll still call it the Gascoigne. Never mind. Yeah. Yes, but people don't move forward with those things, are they, with the names of things? Um, have you ever, I don't know if you have, ever have to do this, I suppose with sat-navs it doesn't happen as much, but you know when you go to a place you've never been to before and you ask for directions, and if you ask a local, they will give you directions based on things that used to be there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go up where the fire station used to be and then you turn left where they've knocked down that, and it's like, how, how can I do yeah. this stuff? Uh, so people always kind of, yeah, they, they link to the locality through its past, through what they know of it. I mean, the council are saying that um, they they did speak to some residents and they said that um, it was clear that they uh, wanted to make use of the local connection and so Weaver's Quarter was the chosen uh, name. But um, other other people, historians in particular, have said that, you know, the Gascoigne name goes back a, a mm. long way. It goes back to St Crisp Gascoigne, Steve. Oh, really? Sir Crisp Gascoigne, who was a, a brewer and the Lord Mayor of London, who settled in Barking with his family and his family's connection with the borough. It's remembered through Gascoigne Primary School and several other institutions around the borough. So Gascoigne is, a, you know, is a big name in yeah. London and Barking Dagenham. So, and that's all. Tr- I mean, it's not just Wikipedia; that is actually true. Yeah. Uh, apparently so. That's what Good. the Barking Dagenham Post says. Phoebe Cook on this show, reporter. We, right? They looked into it. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely looked into it. And on, on this show, we made up on uh, uh, on Shrove Tuesday, we made up St. Shrove, and I played it straight down the middle. I think I might have convinced people that there was actually was a St. Shrove. <laughs> um, so I'm just saying, check. It's Shrove Tuesday is not the same as April Fool's, is it? Well, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's it was slightly why earlier this year. I way you're doing that to your listeners. But, uh, <laughs> but, I get bored um, easily. That's what <laughs> the council is saying that um, they are retaining Gascoigne Road. So Gascoigne oh, Road I will see. still be there, so the name will still be there, but they're changing the estate. Yeah. Historians are absolutely uh, distraught about it. Um, they're saying that it's part of the history. There's not a lot for historians to get up in arms about these days. No, though. You know, they, no. Yeah. Maybe so, done and dusted. Yeah. They'll probably kick off at anything. You know those. You know what historians are like. And they're also saying that they weren't consulted, which is, a, you know, which is a, well, always seems to be the case, doesn't it? But that's the interesting thing. That I mean, what else could they have done? They, I suppose they could have asked the people there what they wanted to be called. 
and you would have been called like estate in McEstate face. <laughs> we know that if you ask people for names, they come up with stupid things, yeah, don't they? That's true. Well, according to the council, they did ask people and they said that they wanted a connection with some of the past and that's where the weavers came from. So, But I, I guess that it would be very hard to shake the name Gascoigne Estate. Mm. One of the residents does actually say in, in the article, he says that he'd be quite happy to, for it to be renamed because um, he says if you say to someone that you live on the Gascoigne, they belittle the name. I think that's... That's sort of an understatement to a certain extent because I think the Gascoigne has got a bit of a bad mm. name over the years. And again, that could be why the council are looking to rename it. Do you reckon, if that's their goal, do you reckon they've renamed it at the right time? Because if you re- rename something too early and it's still synonymous with a certain thing, then it's still, you know, the new name is going to be linked with it. So if you say Gascoigne, you might have been belittled. Now, if you say Weavers, is it still going to be held in the same level of regard with the people that you talk to? Well, I guess if if, it, if there's this huge regeneration, it seems to be the right time to do it, doesn't it, really? If it's, you know, it's, like you said, yeah. it's a fresh start, so off you go. So, uh so if they re- renamed the areas where you live, would you be up for it? Do you feel particularly tied to the history of any locality? Because mm. I wouldn't it's care. I think I'd call wherever I live. I think I would. I mean, I, I was born and brought up around Epping Forest. If they called it uh, McDonald's Forest or something, I wouldn't be too happy. <laughs> they sponsored it. You know, if it was sponsored by McDonald's. You know, if, they, if they got areas of woodland tradition, sponsored. Traditions, they. If they got areas of woodland sponsored, then actually it would, it would bring money into the economy. In the same way that, you know, the, uh, the various arenas, oh, of, like the O2. I remember, uh, Why did I mention in this? My, in my old day, it used to be the Millennium Dome and we were happy, right? Those people, in my day, well, two, in the year 2000. Uh, <laughs> probably wasn't around before then, weird, isn't it? But now it's, the, you know, the O2. People seem to be okay with it. Yeah. It's quite sponsored. catchy, though. I don't think Weaver's Court is that. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, yeah. does it? Like, oh, you know, but Weaver's like saying, Quarter, I'm, it sounds a bit like... An estate agent's come up with it. No, no offence to estate <laughs> agents, but it just doesn't really... Is it a doer-upper? But then the Millennium, like you're saying about the Millennium Dome, it wasn't there that long, was it? It, wasn't cool. it didn't have time for people to say, oh, yeah, the Millennium, really. It's things that have been... I mean, this Gascoigne's been around for hundreds of years, you know. This is not a Johnny-come-lately Gascoigne. <laughs> yeah. Also, know, the, dome, the dome is a dome shape. If you say, like, oh, I'm going to the dome... It looks like a dome. It's not. It's just, I just don't think. I think when we, me and Chris were talking about it, I likened it to um, the metric system. Yeah. No one, everyone talks in feet. Everyone. Oh, I think the kids do now. It's mm. it's true. People talk in you know inches and no, feet. And I think the kids talk in meters now. Mm. Wow. It's a bit like the, it's a bit like the pubs, isn't it? When the pub, I'm always interested when the pubs tend to change names and it always seems yeah. to be when they um they kind of get a bad name doesn't it and you and, and and again often what you find is that i mean we had a big thing in in ilford uh, a couple of pubs one in particular was the dick turpin which is out in um Albra Hatch and that's actually a really nice pub so it's not it's not that there's a lot of trouble there so yeah. I'm not linking it with that <laughs> but the caveat in right there yeah. basically what it was is that um, I think it was Miller and Carter took over and they called it the Miller and Carter restaurant or something yeah. and huge um, uproar by the residents in Albra Hatch saying that Dick Turpin you know is comes from when apparently Dick Turpin rode past it or something in the old days. Well, exa- exactly. You were saying there's no crime around there. In the old days, <laughs> there probably was if it's called the Dick Turpin. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. There was at least some highway robbery. Well, there's obviously some highway men going on down the age 12 these days as well. Isn't there? So, <laughs> a little bit too fast. So, there, a little bit wrong. too fast. So, yeah, so, uh, again, and actually what happened with the, with the Dick Turpin is that after a while, the residents kept 
complaining and we ran a few stories and they've renamed it back to the Dick Turpin. So, right. so sometimes, you know. So you could start a campaign here and get it re-gascoined. Uh, I'm sure the Buck and Dagenham Post would be happy to sort of look at that. Oh, My colleague Michael Adkins, I'm sure he'll, he'll, uh, he'll investigate that. And then sponsor it and get it called the Barking and Dagenham Posts Gascoigne Estate. What a great idea. Yeah, well, great idea. Feel free to have that idea and, uh, and run with it. I'm not yeah. going to charge for it. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for going through the stories in the papers today. And uh, anything to plug? What's coming up in your in your respective papers in the future? One thing you've forgotten, Steve, is your column. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I, even, I bought a copy today as well. Yeah, and I, you better you better have a look because I can't remember what page it's on. I think it might be on page four. Page actually. four, yeah. It's, it's page four. Have a look. Oh, page one's good, isn't it? <laughs> probably oh, placed, probably placed next to a story yeah. you wouldn't choose for it to be placed next to. I'm afraid. But. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Again, you put me next to one of those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for that. Uh, yeah. Page four. Yeah. It's a and very, very talking? interesting column, listeners. Um, if what you get the Romford recorder, it's all about Steve bottling his gas. Apparently. Oh yes, the dust. We're talking dust. Um, <laughs> I've no. I could quite often. By the time I get towards the end of the week, I can't remember why I wrote about something or what I said. I, I did when I read it. I thought that myself. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you for it. Thank you for putting it in there. Um, so you get the ROM for recorder, page four. You can have a read about my my gas. Um, um, we, um, things to plug, Steve. We are actually um, running a, a promotion on pe- uh, 4p off a litre of petrol for the next few weeks oh, okay. for our readers. So. Oh, where do I get that? Um, it's on the front up? page. It says turn. It will tell you what page to turn, so I'm sure. Page 17. There yeah. you go. Page 17, right for recording. Yeah, there weren't enough reasons to buy the recorder. Now's an extra one. I do a lot of driving, so... There you go. Oh, there it is. Um, so, so that sorts me out. Yeah, beautiful. Anything else? Uh, Ilford Recorder? What's going on there? Well, we've got the same 4P of petrol. And well, you know, if we you had a newspaper week? column in there by uh, a radio presenter, we might get mentioned a bit more. Just another plug for the Ilford Recorder Young Citizen Scheme. Um, we're always looking for young citizens, people that um, have done some fantastic things in the community, and we run our scheme and we um, highlight. Uh, uh, young citizens every week and we have an award a monthly award and then an overall award at the end of the year so if anyone knows of a young citizen we'd be glad to hear of them yes and actually um in this week's paper we have revealed our first monthly winner of uh this year's young citizen awards which is sophie marley and she will be uh receiving 40 pounds and all the nominees will receive a certificate Brilliant um, stuff, yeah. And there'll be a pod- podcast of this uh, on for recorder.co.uk at some point. And that's it. And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you very you. much for coming Cheers in. Cheers, bye. Thank you for listening to the local paper review podcast. You can hear the next one live Fridays, 2 p.m. on Time 107.5.